If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly podcast, you will get the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, and baseball from HOL's Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Dan Hoppen, Nate Klaus, and Greg Peterson. Now, here's your host, HuskerOnline.com publisher, Sean Callahan. And welcome to our signing day edition of the Husker Online Show as Nebraska gets their recruiting class here in the books. Nebraska finishes with 21 high school verbal commitments as you, you break down this uh, class as Nate Klaus, Robin Washington, and Dan Hoppen here joining me on this week's edition of the Husker Online Show. Nebraska number 25 overall in the Rivals.com final team rankings and um, that was a question I know I was asked a lot would they be in the top 25 and I knew it was going to be close but they were able to hold on at 25 they're good for number five overall in the Big Ten Um, really though two classes Michigan and Ohio State no surprise uh, were far and away the the top classes in the league Uh, but I, I feel like Nebraska Penn State, Michigan State, those three were very equal in the point standings, and um, that's where Nebraska kind of was with those three teams in the league and clearly the number one class in the Big Ten West. Nate Klaus, what was your big takeaway on signing day? Well, I think what we've seen is an improvement from last year. I think they filled a lot of needs in this class, uh, and it's uh, it's a very solid class from top to bottom uh, when you look at the type of athletes that they were able to bring in, uh, help along the offensive line, finally getting a, you know, a hand-picked quarterback for Mike Riley and Danny Langsdorf's offense. Uh, but it's also a class that, that – I don't think they're satisfied with either, um, you know, and they're looking to improve their efforts going forward. But I think they're on the right trajectory and uh, heading in the right direction here, and uh, you know, really have a lot of momentum going into 2017. Now that this one's in the books. Robin, what was your big take just at signing day at the press conference and, and just kind of looking down the needs and, and things that were filled here in the class? Yeah, I know some people were a bit concerned about the offensive line class only getting four guys, including just one offensive tackle, which is obviously a huge need uh, for this team looking ahead to next season but one thing that was abundantly clear when Mike Riley was up at the podium talking is he's probably as excited about Matt Farniak as any recruit that they signed I mean he mentioned him in six different answers to questions during his press conference many times unsolicited yeah yeah I mean so he just bring him up you know like well that reminds me about Matt and you know so I mean it's it's obvious he is so excited they were able to land him and uh, even said that this is kind of the the definition of how hard work on the recruiting trail pays off I mean when they took over back in December Farniak was one of the first guys that appeared on their radar they had him visit in January and have been working for almost a full calendar year trying to land this guy. Spent a ton of money, a ton of hours, and a lot of effort uh, to, to, to you know to get this guy to be kind of the foundation uh, of that offensive line class. And they were able to get him uh, a week before signing day. And, uh, I, I mean, uh, just the, the excitement level in, in Mike Riley's eyes and his answers when talking about Matt Farniak, I think really says a lot about how high they are on him and uh, what they see his potential being over the next four years. And sticking in that 500-mile footprint, Dan Hoppen, you had some interesting numbers you drew up. Yeah, well, Mike Riley made it very clear yesterday. He not only wants to really emphasize that 500-mile radius, but he doesn't want any in-state recruits to get away. Like, he doesn't want these Nebraska kids going to other schools. So I went back and looked at the last six classes. So we're talking 2011 through 2016. Uh, There were um, 10 Nebraska players who – or Nebraska high school players who went to Power 5 conference schools other than Nebraska – 12 such guys went to Nebraska. So you're talking almost half of the Nebraska high school players that went to Power 5 schools 
chose to go somewhere other than Nebraska. And a lot of times that was because Nebraska didn't offer. Like, you know, a Drew Ott, a Cole Fisher, Nathan Budger, those were guys that Nebraska didn't really pursue that hard. But this year you saw, you know, Jared Bubach decommitted from Nebraska. Noah Fant was a guy that Nebraska went after hard. Mike Riley made it very clear he doesn't want to lose those guys anymore. Yeah, Nate, when you look at that, I think the approach, these kids, they don't have the same feeling about Nebraska maybe that kids in our generation or the older generations have. So I think it comes down to how do you win these kids over earlier in the state and get them to shut it down? Because I feel like all these kids, especially like a fan and a boobock, they feel like they need to go through the entire process where five, ten years ago that wasn't the case with an in-state kid. Well, it starts with, uh, you know, beginning the recruiting process early, um, you know, maybe not necessarily offering super early, but showing a lot of attention, showing uh, them how much uh, you're interested in them uh, in building that, that trust and that relationship uh, with those guys, really get them to open up. Um, and, and, you know, the bottom line is with a lot of these guys, I think that it's going to take a while for this staff to kind of change the, the perception a lot of in-state guys have with the program. I think for a long time it's kind of been beat into their head that the coach, you know, Nebraska coaches don't really care about in-state guys and, and the program, you know, wasn't where, it, you know, isn't uh, where, you know, where it once was in the 90s. You know, kids don't grow up dreaming of going, you know, to Nebraska uh, nearly as often anymore, it seems. So uh, there's a lot of, they're kind of swimming upstream there, I think, but uh, it starts with early identification uh, and getting those guys on camp showing them a lot of attention, um, you know, and, and kind of going from there. Yeah, you think about it. For these kids, they were in grade school when Indomitian Sue played, probably, what, mm. second, third grade. Eric, Eric Crouch played in a, in a leather helmet at Nebraska yeah. for all they're concerned. <laughs> so it, it is. I mean, they don't have that much recollection, recollection, and, you know, they have to really go off what their parents or even a coach or a mentor or whoever is with them uh, would tell them. But, um, you know, what we saw last year with – Deshaun Neal kind of taking visits that was rare and then obviously with Bubak and Fan I mean I don't know if we've ever seen a sample size of three guys that Nebraska really really wanted that kind of played them a little bit and, and, and chose to go elsewhere yeah it's it's been pretty interesting to see how things have played out and I think maybe Deshaun Neal the way that he handled his recruiting process down the end kind of opened the door you know Giving some guys other ideas that, that maybe let they other, could do and the let other coaches know that hey, you know what the uh, the door is a little bit more open here in Nebraska than it once was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but the bottom line though is um, the you know on the other side of the coin with this coaching staff is that they want guys that want to be at Nebraska. Um, you know, they may offer and recruit these guys, but at the end of the day, if if those kids don't want to play at Nebraska, then they're not going to they're not going to get on their knees and, and beg them and, and plead with them to, to come there uh, because if they did that it, it probably wouldn't be a good fit well and let's face it Nebraska was built more on guys like Ben Stilley and Derek Eng- David Engelhop than you know those are the, the the foundation core players Nebraska's been built on tough blue collar guys that are no nonsense they, they really haven't been a lot of flashy high maintenance in-state guys that kind of demand that attention and, and want to do things. So it is a little bit different, but um, no doubt, Dan, you made a good point about those numbers and it's something I think Nebraska's going to have to fix. Yeah, and I think, you know, just listening to Mike Riley talk yesterday, the, the effort is going to be there from this staff. You know, like like you guys talked about, maybe some of these Nebraska kids are going to start looking elsewhere um, just because the program doesn't quite have that same sparkle that it once did. But this is a staff that's going to put in the effort. They're really going to work hard to try and identify these kids early and and uh, and do their best to recruit them. They're not going to let them get away like a lot of uh, the in-state guys kind of did under Bo Pelini. Well, we got a full recruiting show here on tap, but we are going to talk some basketball here in the next segment. Nebraska dropped a tough one the other night here to Maryland. Uh, we'll get Robin and Dan's take on that. Uh, we're also going to be joined by Nebraska's newest quarterback transfer, Tanner Lee. Uh, he'll come on the show here uh, from Tulane and, and give us his thoughts. He's in the midst of Mardi Gras week out there, so uh, he's got a, a fun week ahead of him in New Orleans. Uh, we'll close the show then with Nate Klaus's final takes. Uh, we'll have an offensive class breakdown and a defensive class breakdown. All of that is next here on TAP in the Husker Online Show. We'll talk Husker Hoops, though, next with Robin and Dan. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here 
on the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Dan Hoppin. And this is our post-signing day special. We are going to spend 80% of the show talking recruiting, but we do still want to talk Nebraska basketball as the Huskers dropped a, a tough one Thursday night. Number four-ranked Maryland comes into Lincoln. 70-65 to was the final score. It was a game where Nebraska... Um, you know, was right in it all the way down to the final minute. They even had the lead at one point. Pinnacle Bank Arena was rocking Robin, but um, just one of those games where, you know, you, you could just see the talent gap. And even as bad as Maryland was playing on uh, Wednesday night, they continued to make the plays when they mattered. Yeah, and you know, this was kind of a matchup nightmare for Nebraska going in. I mean, just with Maryland's size and obviously uh, – extremely high talent level with you know a couple potential first round nba draft picks and mellow trimble and diamond stone so uh, you knew it was going to be an uphill battle but uh, you know there was a funny feeling around that game i mean the line was only about six points uh, when it closed and uh, i think there were a lot of nebraska fans confident that uh, this one could be closer than you know a lot of people might think and it ended up playing out that way because maryland tends to you know, quote unquote, play down to their competition at times where uh, despite being as talented as they are, uh, they kind of go through the motions a bit. We definitely saw that. And, uh, you know, Nebraska forced 18 turnovers in that game, 13 in the first half, but managed just nine points off of those turnovers. And um, you shoot 31.8% from the field, which was a season low. Uh, I mean, it was just a, a whole game full of missed opportunities. And uh, certainly that if, you know, Nebraska could have found a way to make a few more plays down the stretch, that was that was within their grasp. And it could have been, uh, you know, maybe one of the biggest upsets we've seen in recent program history. But, again, you know, it was uh, too little too late by Nebraska. I think these last two games have exposed, you know, kind of what we all worried about would be Nebraska's biggest flaw this year, and that's just that they don't have the big guys. I mean, you, you saw that uh, – really couldn't stop Purdue down low in that last game. And my, don't get me wrong, Michael Jacobson, I thought, played very well. He against is playing Maryland. his tail off. Yes, he's playing great, and he's playing really out of position. I mean, that guy's not a center, and he's <laughs> he's doing a great job. But you look at that, after him, you get 10 minutes combined out of Jake Hammond and Ed Morrow against Maryland, and neither one of them really did anything other than foul. You know, that that's kind of the difference in the game. You look at – you know, Robin, you listed off the shooting numbers. Well, 13 of those misses for Nebraska were blocks yeah. by Maryland. Eight by one guy, Diamond Stone. That's what Nebraska doesn't have. They just don't have a guy at the rim to contest those shots, and that just makes it so much more difficult. On one you. caveat about the Ed Morrow deal is he didn't play a lot because he's dealing with plantar fasciitis in okay, his foot. And so his foot been bothering him all week, and he was only going to get limited minutes regardless. But uh, still, with a front court as thin as they are, I mean, you got to get more out of the other guys. I mean, you could argue, um, Dan and Robin, that Nebraska's only had really one good shot blocker the last 10 years, Alex March. And, and I don't know if he was a great shot blocker. No, he definitely wasn't a great shot blocker. He was more of a big just, body. Yeah, just big. Yeah. I'm still glad he, he, he was a good scorer, though. I mean, he had. Oh, he was a great player. Yeah, yeah. no no doubt about we're that. We're just going to end the, the uh, awkward Alex March point yeah. of the show here yeah. as we're talking Husker basketball. Nebraska drops a close one. Now y you look ahead here, guys. Nebraska's 12-11. and 11. They're 4-6 and six in the Big Ten. I think if we would have, you know, when 10 games ago when conference season started, I think that would be about, hey, that's about where they could be, maybe 5-5. Five and five. I mean, with, with the stretch that they've had to go through, uh, you would have liked to have maybe seen them steal a win in there from a Michigan or a Northwestern. That didn't happen, but they stole the win at Michigan State. You can argue they stole the win at Illinois because uh, that's a tough place to play on the road. Uh, but now you got a little stretch here, Robin. Rutgers at home at Wisconsin. Penn State at home. A little three-game stretch here uh, starting Saturday at 1 o'clock with Rutgers coming into Lincoln. Yeah, I mean, they made it through that four-game grind that everybody was talking about, that kind of being the, the defining point of this season. And they were 1-3, and three, which is certainly disappointing, especially considering last or Wednesday night's game that uh, probably could have easily been a victory. But, uh, you know, you, you, you look ahead this back end, like you mentioned, I mean, Nebraska will be uh, favored or at least have a, a – pretty darn good chance to, to win in, in a lot of these matchups. Rutgers is a must win, absolutely. I mean, Rutgers is the worst team in the conference at home. There's absolutely no reason they shouldn't win that game. You go to at Wisconsin. The Badgers have struggled this year. They're playing better as of late, but certainly not nearly as daunting of Wait, a task. How many starters from that team last year back? Uh, any, like one or two? From yeah, they got Bronson Koenig and uh, 
what's his name? Nigel Hayes. Nigel Hayes, who they're kind of their big studs. But uh, they're a young team, just like Nebraska. They're relying on a lot of freshmen to play a lot of minutes. So, uh, you know, they're going through their learning curve as well. And then Penn State at home, that should be a win. Uh, you know, I mean, despite Nebraska's struggles at home, this is a game you absolutely have to win. And then at Indiana uh, and, and then home against Ohio State, those are going to be difficult. But, um, you know, we've seen crazier things happen. And then you end it with at Penn State, home against Purdue, and at Northwestern. I mean, I think there's a legitimate chance Nebraska still could get, you know, close to that 10 win mark in conference play if they win the games that they're supposed to and can go on the road and steal a couple against the Penn State's, Northwestern's, or Wisconsin's of the conference. NIT is still going to be tough. You have to be, I believe, above 500, and they're 12 and 11. That's, that's not officially a rule, but essentially it's kind of, I mean, if you're not, then your chances are extremely slim, and Nebraska does not have the strength of schedule or RPI to make a case to overcome that. We're putting a wrap here on Nebraska basketball talk. Robin, there were a group of recruits there again at Chang, a week of rope, and then um, David Wingate from Winnebago as well. I mean, is he somebody on the radar, or is he a ways away from maybe getting an offer or potentially on in that in that bubble? Yeah, with Wingate, it's hard because you know his competition is so weak. Uh, playing their C two now, yeah, playing as well. at that C two level. So he dominates every team he plays against and makes highlight plays night in and night out. But you know that he's not playing against you know anything remotely close to what you know some of these other guys on Nebraska's radar are seeing. And so unfortunately, you know he's not seeing that comp- type of competition at the AAU level either. So he's a really kind of an unknown prospect because I mean at six seven and as athletic as he is, I mean he seems like a legitimate prospect. But until you actually get the chance to uh, you know see him against guys that are going to be the the equivalent of Big Ten level caliber uh, recruits. It's hard to really gauge, you know, if he's really translate to that level. Now, Ed Chang, he's come to a lot of games, right? Oh yeah, he's he's made uh, at least he came to yeah about seven or eight unofficial visits since September. And if so, you're not up to speed, Ed Chang is a 2018 Papillion La Vista six foot eight. Yes, yeah, six eight with six, a seven eight. foot wingspan. Um, another Sudanese born or Sudanese mm-hmm. uh, refugee player in the metro area in Omaha. Um, already has offers from Nebraska and Creighton, but. You got to think the more times he comes, as well as Aguika Rope is already a part of this class. Um, you know that that's a good thing for Nebraska. That they 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 look like they're in a good spot with Ed. Yeah, you would think so. I mean, obviously people were kind of got nervous when Creighton was the first in-state school or first school in general to offer Ed, and then Nebraska followed up shortly thereafter. But uh, that's kind of just semantics, in my opinion. Nebraska has been in on this kid for months now, a long, long time, and uh, you know it was more just an issue of Tim Miles wanted to see Ed play in person, and you know unfortunately Creighton was able to extend that offer before he got that chance and so Tim decided you know let's not waste any more time here and get that offer on the table because uh, by you know the, the time the next summer wraps up he's going to have quite a few more offers and probably from some big time schools I mean the UCLA Stanford's Oregon's are all really starting to look at him now and that offer list is going to blow up here in the next few months. Well, Nebraska Rutgers one o'clock Saturday a big home game here uh, for Nebraska to get things back on track when we come back here on the Husker Online show we'll be joined by Nebraska's latest quarterback recruit, Tanner Lee, the transfer from Tulane. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show, and Nebraska signed one high school quarterback this year in their recruiting class, Patrick O'Brien out of California, but they also are going to add a uh, very intriguing transfer prospect and Tanner Lee from Tulane. And we're pleased to be joined here on the Husker online show uh, by Tanner. First of all, Tanner, um, congratulations on your decision here to, to get to Nebraska. And, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing you out here in the summer. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's a heck of an opportunity. Yeah, well, well, I mean, what's this all been like? Because I have to imagine uh, you are in the New Orleans market, but I, I can't imagine the Tulane football program uh, gets the kind of interview exposure and things that you've uh, had to go through maybe the last few days. No, not at all. It's uh, It's been different, that's for sure. There's only about four or five reporters that cover us out there in, in New Orleans, and I've got about 15 or 16 calls just today. So it's been it's been just a different experience. It's been a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, it's been kind of cool to go through the recruiting process again and uh, and signing again, and you know, it just puts everything in a different perspective. And I've been enjoying it. Yeah, how many interviews do you think you've done between the radio and all the newspaper guys? Oh man, I, I don't know. I think I did probably 
uh, eight or ten uh, newspapers today, and I think I did four radio shows today. <laughs> so I, I guess I put it off a little bit until today for some reason, but I was just kind of enjoying the, the past few days with my family. Yeah, when you tell uh, your uh, your old friends and teammates that at Tulane, I'm sure they're kind of like, wow, they, they must like their football in Nebraska. Yeah, they did. I had lunch with a buddy today from uh, from my team, and uh, he was he was saying, "Yeah, he figured yeah, I'd be getting a few more calls than I'm used to." <laughs> We're joined here on the Husker Online Show by Nebraska transfer quarterback uh, Tanner Lee from Tulane, and and let's get to that decision to leave. I mean, what what drew you uh, to to leave Tulane? And and you looked at LSU, you looked at Nebraska. Were there any other programs besides those two uh, that you seriously looked at? Yeah, there were. There's a few. There's a few different teams I got called from, and I, uh, you know, but I think it just coming down to it, I think LSU and, and Nebraska were my two best opportunities uh, for me. That was going to be the best for my future, and um, I got to visit both schools, weigh my options, like everyone else, and it was a, a great experience. I got to meet the coaches and develop some relationships, and ultimately, I picked Nebraska. It was a pretty, uh, pretty clear cut decision. You know, it's just a, a heck of an opportunity that I don't think I could pass up. Yeah, and you've talked. You know, when you transfer, one of the things that that's negative is you have to sit out a year. But uh, there is a potential that you may not have to sit out this 2016 season. Uh, give us an idea of how that rule might work that could possibly allow you to play, and and what type of chance you think uh, do you have maybe winning this battle versus the NCAA? Yeah, well, I think we feel confident. Um, you know, I've been working with the compliance office at Nebraska, my father and I, and I, we feel good about meeting all the criteria necessary it's it's a rule that basically protects our um, student athletes it's, it's great that the NCAA is kind of going in this direction you know our coaching staff gets completely fired and they bring in a, a um a staff that just isn't a, the best fit bringing an option staff and maybe in a pocket passer just wasn't the best for my future and I probably didn't have a, a great chance of, of competing and, and being successful at, at Tulane anymore so it was just a, it was time to go um, explore some options. You know, it was a tough decision. You make a lot of friends. You know, New Orleans is home. It's tough leaving your teammates. I mean, if you're the leader of a team for for two or three years and then you kind of have to you leave, it's a it's a tough separation. But I'm I'm excited for the future. I'm excited to come into Nebraska and and get to work while the the year I sit out. And you know, I definitely have one year to come in and lead and uh, hopefully win the job. And if I get two, that's 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 another blessing. So I'm I'm really looking forward to this. We're joined by new Nebraska transfer quarterback Tanner Lee from Tulane. And, you know, if I would have asked you two weeks ago, Tanner, what do you know about Nebraska? What would you have told me? Well, I'm, uh, I'm pretty, uh, I guess, I know, I know my football. So, I mean, I know the, uh, the history and how a great football tradition that Nebraska has. And I, was, I have a, a couple of buddies that have been up here and, um, I'm good friends with Chief and Carter actually, and he, he's told me all about that. You know how the fans are so passionate, and knowledgeable, and you know the game day in Nebraska is just unlike anything you could ever experience. And uh, um, so I guess I didn't know much until I got—I didn't—I'd never seen it for real until I got up there um, a few weekends ago and got to see it for myself. But it's a—it's a football fantasy land for sure. It was—it was unbelievable. You gonna live with Seath and Carter when you get up here yet? Have you figured that out yet at this point? I haven't figured all that out, but uh, when he comes back home in New Orleans, we usually hang out a little bit. What's impressed you about Mike Riley and maybe just his track record? I mean, you look at some of the quarterbacks he's developed. Matt Moore, he's still in the NFL with the Dolphins. You had Sean Mannion last year, a draft pick. I mean, he's put a lot of guys in the league. He's coached guys all the way back to Jim Harbaugh when Jim Harbaugh played for the San Diego Chargers. Um, he's got a lot of history of working and developing quarterbacks with similar skill sets to yours. Yeah, and that was another thing that was uh, uh, really attractive to me was his, his track record with quarterbacks. And, uh, you know, I, I got getting to meet him and getting to sit down and watch film with him and Coach Langsdorf and hear, hear him talk football and how they put their little different been on their offense and their their pro style system was was extremely neat and it got me excited because they I mean, they got a ton of great athletes and great playmakers there running the system for them so it's going to be a fun few years. Now, when you were at Tulane, Tanner, uh, you played or you played with uh, Keith Williams. He coached there, obviously. Uh, he was an under the radar guy when he came here to Nebraska, but obviously now he's very well known. His personality was he that same kind of coach at Tulane? Just his personality and and uh, have you had a chance to really talk a lot with Keith o over these last few weeks? 
Yeah, he's never changed. He's always been a one of a kind type of coach. He's awesome. He he brings that same intensity, uh, you know, day in and day out, and he gets his guys playing hard and a great mindset. And I always love how. I mean, I, I I love to have receivers that think like he makes his players think. If that makes sense, it's just it is great to have him. And yeah, when I was uh, we got my release and decided to transfer and everything, I did talk to Coach Williams, and he told me I might want to get in touch with Coach Riley or Coach Langsdorf, and you know, I did, and, and that was that was about it. And I got to call him and, and develop relationships with those two guys. And, I, I, of course, I got to see him when I uh, took my visit. But, you know, it was just great to see him again because we, we did have a real good relationship at Tulane. And, you know, I, I, I love being coached by him. Was the visit – I mean, was it kind of like a job interview? Because sometimes, you know, you get NFL guys like Riley and Danny Langstorff, you know, they're going to sit down the quarterback and almost kind of interview him like you're a free agent or a draft pick that's going to maybe be joining their team. I mean, did they quiz you, drill you, talk to you about a lot of different things just to fill you out about your knowledge of the game? Well, it wasn't, it wasn't that intense. <laughs> but uh, we, we sat down and we, get, we did get to watch some football. And, you know, it was all concepts I was, you know, extremely familiar with and um, the same read. So I was able to um, – just kind of let them know, yeah, I'm familiar with all this stuff. I got this, and uh, I guess it, I impressed them a little bit with that. And you know, they they impressed me at the time. I feel like I was interviewing them at times because I was considering, you know, both schools heavily, and um, you know, just how they coach and um, their day to day operation, and you know, the, the family atmosphere that each coach to coach has, and from their secretaries to their equipment managers, it was a great feel, and I uh, really enjoyed it. And before we let you go, as we wrap things up with Nebraska's newest quarterback, Tanner Lee, uh, Nebraska does return a four-year starting quarterback in Tommy Armstrong uh, going into his fifth year here. I mean, what do you hope to learn um, playing with Tommy and, and, you know, how much do you plan to maybe uh, get to know him here over the next few months? Uh, I, I can't wait to meet him. And I uh, just pick his brain. I mean, he's been playing Big Ten football for, for a few years now. And, you know, he's he's been there and done that won the games and put up the numbers and he's just going to be a lot of fun to learn from and I, I can't wait to go in and help him any way I can and, and the week in and week out you know daily preparation of the season um that quarterback room is important it's important to have good relationships and uh yeah, I'm really looking forward to that now you guys in Mardi Gras week down there yet or when does that all begin down there we are starting up right now pretty much it's crazy to be going for a couple of weeks now <laughs> well the thanks. big weekend is uh this weekend well thank you for taking some time and uh enjoy the festivities down there on mardi gras and uh, we're looking forward to seeing you up here in lincoln absolutely thank you i appreciate it nebraska quarterback tanner lee here our guest we'll talk more recruiting next you're listening here to the husker online show you're listening to huskeronline.com your authority on nebraska athletics and we're back here on the Husker Online recruiting edition of our radio show as Nebraska's 2016 class in the books. You just heard from quarterback Tanner Lee, and we gave our thoughts uh, to start the program. But now we want to dedicate these last two segments um, to get a just a full breakdown. Both Nate and I have done a lot of these. We had Big Red Wrap-Up as well this week where uh, we just had two full segments, go offense, defense, and we're going to start it out here uh, breaking down the offense. And, and let's start at that quarterback position. And, and Nate, uh, you heard Tanner Lee here on the show. Um, we'll talk about Patrick O'Brien as well. But uh, Lee, just a, just an impressive guy. And um, I, I think he's going to be one of those players – that as time goes, like, you know what, man, they look pretty smart taking this guy in. Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, Tanner Lee is mature. He, he's experienced. He's been through the fires before. He he knows um, what it takes to, to be a leader and to lead a team um, and how to prepare. I, I think that's going to really you know benefit him as he comes to Nebraska. He's going to have a year uh, sitting out due to the transfer rules to, to really – I guess soak everything up uh, from Danny Langsdorf from Mike Riley and uh, kind of get to know uh, his teammates, entrench himself uh, in this team and and uh, make a run at that starting spot, you know, uh, in 2000, uh, was 2017. So um, it's going to be really interesting because he's a guy that has all the tools to be, uh, you know, an NFL type of prospect. And when you see him in person, he's, you know, as soon as he comes on campus, he's going to be one of the, you know, from a physical stature, he's going to be one of the biggest quarterbacks, uh, most, 
you know, probably one of the better looking quarterbacks on, on the entire roster. Uh, he's every bit of six, four, not sure if he's quite 220 pounds, but uh, I mean, he's a really impressive, um, you know, looking athlete. And uh, like I said, he, he's uh, got a lot of experience under his belt, which is what Mike Riley wanted. We're talking offensive guys here in the class and let's stick with quarterback and Patrick O'Brien. Um, he is here early for spring ball. And I'll tell you what, Nate, that is clearly for me, the, the, the thing I'm most excited to see uh, this spring, just to see where O'Brien kind of fits in the mix. I just want to get a taste for the guy. I, I want to see what he can do in this situation, in this program, and, and we're going to get that opportunity here in about a month. It's going to be exciting to watch because he was handpicked by Danny Langstorff and Mike Riley to, to run the system. Uh, they didn't sign a quarterback in 2015. And, um, you know, when you're watching Nebraska at times last year, uh, I think a lot of people said, boy, they – they need their guy at quarterback. You know, Tommy Armstrong is not necessarily uh, a, a perfect fit for what they wanted to do, but um, you know that's what the staff hopes that, that Patrick O'Brien will be. And being on campus as a mid-year enrollee is going to allow him to to have every opportunity to to make a run uh, at knocking Tommy off. And um, you know, I'm not sure if that will happen or not, but I, I know he'll have every opportunity to do it. But uh, would not be surprised in the least bit to see him. You know. Be be the top backup and, and get some sort of playing time next fall. It's going to be fun to watch. When you look at high school guys that have come here that kind of fit this stature, you know, you've had Harrison Beck, obviously he was a bust. You had Cody Green. Uh, you had several guys that came in with some accolades. But I don't know why. I, I just feel different about him. I don't know if there's been a quarterback this physically developed um, as far as size, height, weight, uh, footwork, quarterback coaching instruction, uh, big time passing numbers, everything, and and that's that's what excites me. Uh, I don't know why he reminds me of Ben Roethlisberger when I watch him. I mean, just a big, strong guy that can move. Um, and, and will be great in a pro-style system. Well, and I mean, he's all of those things, and he's uh, very accurate, too. I mean, he only had – I think he had five interceptions to, to close to 40 touchdowns this past year, uh, completed over 70% of his passes uh, in what is a, you know, a really tough league that he plays in there um, in Orange County. So – um, I mean, yeah, he's, he's probably the most well-rounded, um, you know, uh, polished quarterback that, that has come into Nebraska, high school quarterback that's come into Nebraska for, um, you know, probably the last 10 or 15 Do you see years. Any Ro- I mean, does, does he remind you of Roethlisberger or does he remind you of somebody else when you look at it? Yeah, I can see the Roethlisberger comparison a little bit. Um, you know, one underrated thing about Patrick O'Brien is his athleticism and his ability to run. I, I, he's a guy who can extend the play using his feet and, and be a very effective runner, um, you know, carrying the ball. And, and that's something I, that I really intrigues this coaching staff. And, and I, I promise you that'll be something that they really work with and, and use with uh, Patrick O'Brien. We're talking offensive guys here in the class. And, and let's move over to running back. You know, Nebraska Nate only signed one. And it was for the longest time kind of a mystery what direction they were going to go. Um, they took who was the kid from Texas? They Alfonso took, Thomas, and that was this kind of a reach. Um, that one was always a mystery from the get go, and they they cut ways with that commit, um, and then they got Trey Bryant, who ended up being the St. Louis Post Dispatch Player of the Year, led his team to the state championship. Um, this this kid intrigues me as well. Only a five six three star by rivals, but. Um, kind of has an Amir Abdullah-type feel, an underrated three-star guy that is coming in here that can maybe make an impact. Uh, he's an extremely driven and competitive individual, uh, very mature young man. He, he knows what he wants, and he's not afraid to put in the work to go get it. When you when you watch him on film, he I mean, he's very well-rounded, um, you know, as a – inside runner and outside runner someone who can catch a ball out of the backfield but maybe the most impressive thing about him is his pack uh, pass blocking uh, abilities and i mean his pass protection is as good as you'll see uh, from any high school prospect and and i loved how he ha- he put that at the very beginning of his highlight tape and, uh, and that's something that really caught reggie davis's attention and you know we've seen the the um you know running backs 
have uh, have the ability to come in and, and play early at Nebraska, play as true freshmen. But you have to do a couple things, and one of those things is pass blocking, and that's uh, something that Trey Bryant can do. And I wouldn't be surprised if is he if he's able to kind of carve out a niche next fall, uh, get some uh, some sort of uh, you know carries in this offense. And let's stick with that topic of blocking. Nebraska brings in the four offensive linemen, and um, that is, I think, one of the hidden strengths of this class. They graduated. Um, if you count Gibbons Price, who, I mean, I don't know if you want to count him on defense, but I still consider him an offensive guy. They had, I believe, six scholarship senior players that left the program on the O-line. They, they took four. They maybe could have taken five, uh, but it has been kind of a rebuild. And um, I like the makeup of this group, particularly with Farniak uh, out of South Dakota, Reardon. Um, you know, those two guys stand out. Bo Wilson's a scrappy inside center. Uh, still don't know an, a lot about Brian Brokop. I mean, he's laid so under the radar uh, with this whole recruiting process, but um, it is a solid group top to bottom. Yeah, it really is. Uh, I like the, the makeup there. Um, the first thing that really stands out about these guys is they're all kind of the blue collar, hard nose, um, you know, nasty guys. One, one coach, uh, one opposing coach uh, of, uh, uh, Brian Brokops called him uh, a thug out on out on the the football field and and meant that as an endearing term. But <laughs> the, I mean, these guys are all nasty. You watch their film; um, they're all finishers, uh, and uh, and they're kind of they play with a chip on their shoulder. Uh, but they're all athletes too. Um, all these guys are they have good size, um, not necessarily uh, prototypical tackle size outside of Farniak, but you know a, a guy like John Raritan who's 6'3", 275 pounds right now, could uh, potentially grow into, you know, playing out on the edge, playing offensive tackle, according to Mike Cavanaugh. He's got the athleticism to do that, not necessarily the uh, the prototypical size to do it, but uh, could, could potentially play offensive tackle. But um, these guys will help to strengthen the, the overall, you know, attitude of this group. They, they want to be, um, you know, a, a mean, hard-nosed group. And, and Mike Cavanaugh really values that out of his offensive linemen. And uh, I think that the overall make up of that uh, of that position group on the team is, is trending upward. Uh, let's move over now, Nate, as we wrap up the offensive class here to the receiving group of guys. Uh, two tight ends: Jack Stoll, uh, David Engelhop, and then um, you know a couple wide receivers as well: J.D. Spielman and then Darian Grimm. Um, it, you know, I think tight end. When you look at what this program loses. Uh, three scholarship tight ends next year. I thought it was important that they got that second tight end to go with Engelhop uh, because in 2017, today, right now, um, they would only have had two scholarship tight ends returning. So I think Engelhop gives them a third option to work with here for the future. Yeah, bringing in the second tight end was crucial. Uh, you know, they lost out on, on Chase Allen, the, the big 6'7 tight end out of Missouri. Um, you know, and so the addition of Engelhop, you know, kind of kind of helps uh, ease your concerns there at, at that group moving forward. And and he was a great pickup. You know, he may have been a late offer, but this is a kid who who had Nebraska's attention going back to to last summer when he went to their football camp, ripped off a, a sub four six forty yard dash, uh, and moved around extremely well at six four two hundred thirty five pounds. I mean, he's a, he's also a basketball player. He, he he runs the high hurdles and track. He's a tremendous athlete. Um, and has dominated the Class C1 level. And I, I think sometimes with those types of players, um, you're only getting a glimpse of how good they could be because once they once they get to college and, and once the competition level around them is, is raised, they're going to take their game to the next level too. So I'm excited to see what he can do in the offense. And, and Jack Stoll, 6'5", 225, 230 pounds, um, is an extremely versatile tight end uh, that can do a number of things in, in this system. He's had success as a wide receiver. He's had success as an H-back in high school. He's had success as an inline Tight ends are hard blocker. to find. Yeah, I mean, he He's a, a true tight end, and they are extremely hard to find. And and maybe what puts him over the edge for me is, is his attitude. Uh, you know, when you talk to him, he said he said football is easy. All you have to do is destroy the guy in front of you each and every play. And uh, I mean, it doesn't get any simpler than that. All right, before we wrap it up here, Nate, briefly, give me your one guy that makes the impact next year, and then the guy that is the best long term impact player. Well, I think uh, you know I. Th- 
Trey Bryan is probably the guy that that uh, will see the field early. Actually, J.D. Spielman is another who could see the kick field. Kick returns. Yeah, kick returns, uh, especially if DeMorne Pearsonell isn't ready to go. Long-term, Patrick O'Brien, I, I feel, is is the guy. He was uh, He's everything that Mike Riley and Danny Lingstorff want. Um, and and I, I really do believe that uh, you know Nebraska could kind of break that break that streak of you know not having quarterbacks uh, meet the expectation level. All right, we'll shift the conversation over to defense next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Recruiting Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment of the show here as we put a wrap on Nebraska's 2016 recruiting class, ranked number 25 in the final Rivals.com poll, number five overall in the Big Ten. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus says, let's talk some defense now as we look at this group of players, Nate. And uh, I think the one thing to me that was missing, maybe from this group of defensive players, uh, they, they met a lot of needs, uh, but I still feel like that premier big-time Third down pass rusher wasn't in this class. Uh, kind of got away from them. No junior college guys, obviously, in this class. And um, I, I don't know if they have that guy yet on the roster, that that guy that can get to the quarterback when it's four defensive linemen versus five O-linemen. And and I think that's something they have to get going forward for next year. Yeah, you're right. I, I think that they're definitely missing that guy that, that strikes fear into uh, a left tackle or into the, the heart of, of a quarterback. We know when it's third and long, uh, they just don't have that guy right now. They're going to have to be you know creative and, and find ways to to get pressure um you know until they get that guy and that'll definitely be a, a priority going forward i do like the the two defensive ends that are in this class so ben stilly um you know um and uh, Colin Miller, Colin Miller. Yeah. Uh, you know, both those guys are, are explosive athletes. Colin Miller had 25 tackles for a loss as, as a senior, 11 sacks uh, and about 25 quarterback pressures. I mean, this guy, uh, he is an explosive uh, guy off the edge. Um, and is kind of a, a pass rush specialist. He could do it for, out of a three-point stance, could be a walk-up, um, you know, uh, rush in from, uh, you know, in the two-point stance as well. So uh, I think both those guys are, are going to add to that position group going forward. It's going to be uh, a lot to ask for them to be, you know, very productive early on in their career. I think that a red shirt would benefit them. But, um, yeah, you're, you're missing that, that elite pass rusher in, um, going forward uh, at that group. And then another question I got asked a lot, why were there no defensive tackles and is that a concern going forward and how big will that be uh, in the 2017 class well the numbers a uh, defensive tackle I, I don't think really um you know predicated the you know nebraska take take a guy or make that a priority in this recruiting class even though they lost uh, malik collins vincent valentine they the numbers are still there and, and i i suspect that greg mcmullen will be moving from defensive end into to defensive tackle i know that they're extremely happy with the the progress of carlos davis khalil davis uh, mick stoltenberg uh, is also another guy that that they're uh, that they feel good about in terms of the young talent that they have come coming up you know keep in mind they still have Kevin Williams Kevin Maurice there so uh so they have a lot of good bodies there but you know going forward in 2017 defensive tackle defensive end those are going to be huge areas of need since they they couldn't fit in a, a D tackle into this class and this year obviously the Davis twins both red shirted uh, on the D tackle position and then Alex Davis at defensive end and Deshaun Neal so they're going to look at those guys a lot as we talk more about this defensive class uh, with Nate Klaus putting a wrap on this 2016 recruiting class let's go down the linebacker and you think about where this position was over a year ago Mike Riley Mark Banker walked in the door and they look at the distribution chart and uh, a few four letter words are probably mixed in about <laughs> why there were only four linebackers on the roster and you know, that was just Bo Pelini's defense. It was a Big 12 spread-type defense that basically required linebackers to be covering safeties in a lot of ways, and they didn't use the linebacker a lot. So uh, the last two years, Nate, it has been kind of a rebuild. And um, of the last two recruiting classes now, there are six linebackers the new staff has brought in. They moved Luke Gifford there as well. But uh, they bring in three more this year and potentially four when you look at um, a guy like JoJo Doman. But uh, it's a good-looking group of athletic linebackers. It is. And, you know, a guy like Quayshon Alexander out of New Jersey is a 6'2", 230-pound kid, uh, primarily played defense 
defensive end in high school, uh, could be kind of a hybrid linebacker, Russian specialist at, at Nebraska. And he was a, a player they targeted very early on. Greg Simmons, similar type player. He's more of a true linebacker, but out of Florida um, was a guy that, that Trent Bryce said they had number one on, on their board. That They really, really wanted Greg Simmons. And uh, at 6'2", 235 pounds, he's uh, he's kind of a, a downhill linebacker, very physical. He's a student of the game, is kind of a, a football junkie, um, and very instinctual kid. I, I think he's going to have a, a very bright future at Nebraska. Um, you know, and then Pernell Jefferson was was kind of the, the later addition to this group and uh, flipping his commitment from Oklahoma to Nebraska. Uh, you know, he, he brings a lot of athleticism and he played probably about six different positions out of his high school in New Orleans, uh, Warren Eastern High School. So, I mean, he's a kid that, that brings a lot of athleticism to that group uh, and is physically mature. He's 6'3", 238 pounds. And uh, he's another guy that could potentially grow into a pass rusher or or be kind of that hybrid uh, that hybrid guy to come off of the edge there you know when you look uh, one guy Nate Quayshawn Alexander um, that was one that it just never seemed smooth but signing day ended up being smooth with him uh, supposedly I mean he, he made that cryptic tweet the night before that he didn't know what he wanted to do I mean was it Rutgers was that the other thing that he was weighing um, why maybe he wasn't going to sign, or was that just kind of a, a showmanship move? It's hard to say because Question Alexander completely fell off the radar. You know, right about the time the the football season started, he, he committed to Nebraska last May, kind of against his mother's wishes. Uh, she had always wanted him to take all of his official visits, didn't want him to make an early decision, but uh, he fell in love with Nebraska. Um, and Nebraska handled the, the situation correctly. They did not pressure Quayshon to go ahead and make the commitment. But um, when he did, I, I think one caveat was that he was going to take visits because that's what his mother wanted him to do. Now, he does have a brother, Kai Hester, uh, that is on the team at Rutgers. Obviously, they're the in-state school. He visited their last uh, but you know, Pittsburgh and, and Indiana, Michigan and Michigan were also involved there. So, um, and he just stopped talking. He stopped doing interviews about the process. So it's hard to know exactly, you know, what the what the tweet meant. Um, you know, maybe maybe his girlfriend dumped him or something. I, I don't know. It's hard it's hard telling with some of these high school kids. But um, you know, at the end of the day, he stuck with the, his commitment to the Huskers, and uh, and I know Trent Bray really likes what he brings to the table. Okay, let's go to the secondary, and you know, start with. The- safety position first uh three safeties tony butler jojo doman markel Desmuke. i don't know why nate but i just have a feeling jojo doman is going to be a guy here somebody that you know really could be an impact player in this program yeah well, probably one of the more overlooked uh, or undervalued recruits in this entire class you're talking about a, a two-time um player of the year out of the state of colorado was the gatorade player of the year as a senior and this kid does it all, and, and he, everything that he does, he, he just makes it look extremely easy. Um, you know, for his high school, he played running back, wide receiver, uh, even played a little quarterback. On, on defense, he played safety, linebacker, um, and he was also the the place kicker and the punter for his team. He literally did everything uh, for his his high school football team. And um, you know, he's a very very instinctual player. Uh, his measurables are not going to jump off the the paper. Uh, at, at 6'1", 200. Mike know, Riley called him a bullet. He's a bullet, yeah. I mean, uh, he, he just makes plays out there, and, and he's all over the field. You cannot – you can't stop JoJo Doman. And uh, he's going to be a guy that, that finds his way onto the field. You know, he's coming in as a safety. I think he could kind of, um, you know – I don't know, morph down into a linebacker, um, you know, but the bottom line is he's going to find his way on the field. And I think he can do it early uh, as a special teams guy, but uh, definitely early on in his career, he'll find a niche in this, in this defense and, and be very good player for the Huskers. And then, you know, let's move over now to the, the cornerback position as we put a wrap on defensive prospects here with Nate Klaus in this 2016 class. Uh, the Huskers have two corners on the board right now, DiCaprio Boodle, he could end up being one of the fastest guys on the team in the 40 when when he gets here in Lincoln. Definitely was the fastest kid at a camp of 450 of the fastest high school yeah. players you're going to see in one camp. Because trust me, when you go down to Miami, it is a different kind of speed. And then Lamar Jackson, the highest rated guy in the class, really the cherry on top, as I wrote on signing day for Mike Riley. Um, you know, two very intriguing corners 
And I, I like what Brian Stewart is doing there on that back end. Yeah, DiCaprio Boodle was the one find that Nebraska had, or one signee that came out of out of those satellite camps. And like you said, out of 450 kids at the Miami satellite camp, he was the the fastest kid and there. There were some fast guys. And there were some very fast kids there. Um, you know, as we watched, I, I know. Remember, we just were you know shaking our head because all these guys were just ripping off uh, insane 40 times. And uh, DiCaprio Boodle had, ran a 4.36 and a 4.38. Uh, and those handheld times, but those were done by college coaches. Uh, they, you know, it wasn't the high school coach timing the the thirty eight yard dash. It was it was the college coaches doing it. And uh, um, you know, from there, Brian Stewart was able to work him out. He had the brother that went to UNO. Yeah, he had the brother that, that played at uh, Nebraska Omaha. And I mean, the connections were just strange how it all how it all came into place. And um, you know, so you like his speed, but he also has size. He, you know, a lot of times with those speedy guys. You're talking about a 5'8 or 5'9 player, but he's 5'11, 180 pounds, has good length and should be able to to turn into a good corner at Nebraska. Might need a redshirt year to kind of refine his his coverage abilities, but uh, has all the athleticism in the world. And then then you you top it off with uh, a guy like Lamar Jackson, who's one of the more elite uh, athletes in the entire country. Rivals 100 prospect, ranked as the number one overall safety. I mean, they they needed him. If if they don't get Lamar Jackson, the whole day has a different feel on signing day. no doubt about it this is this is a kid um with how things kind of played out down the stretch uh they they had to 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 get lamar jackson he had silently committed to the huskers um you know a few weeks back and, and told him that he was in he, he did the bleacher report video um you know just like des fitzpatrick did but when i think when that uh situation went south on on monday you know there was probably a lot of reservation about okay you know what's going to happen with lamar jackson well uh he stuck he stuck true to his word uh committed to nebraska and he's going to come in you know at at 6'2 200 and close to 210 pounds uh, have the ability to to play immediately. I mean, he's he's a game changer. He's uh you know I, I say he's a a cornerback in a linebacker's body basically, uh, and he could do he could even play offense. He's just a, a truly gifted athlete. All right, final thought: take Lamar Jackson out of the equation as far as your guy that's going to play right away. We we all agree that he's probably the most likely in all all these guys. Mm-hmm. Give me your other freshmen that could see the field and then the best long-term guy outside Lamar Jackson. Well, I think uh, the other freshman that could see the field early is Markel Dismuke. You know, when, when I was able to go out to, to California to watch him play in person this past fall, uh, he really, really impressed me. He impacted the game in, in all three phases. You know, as a safety, uh, he's got tremendous range in the in the back end. But he's also a guy that loves contact. They used him in blitzing situations. Uh, I mean, he he's laying out and knocking knocking dudes out in, in the back, and uh, that's what you like to see out of a kid like that. Um, and I, I think that he could come in and, and really make an impact early on in his career. Long term, uh, I, I love uh, Greg Simmons and, and JoJo Doman. I, I think those two guys uh, are, are going to be special at Nebraska and have uh, have great careers there. Well, Nate, I tell you to take some time, but on Monday morning, <laughs> we're going to be at Omaha Central High School at about 7 a.m. Yep. Uh, to begin the in-state tour. So Just Finding the next crop. I always laugh. People are like, oh, you'll get some time off. I'm like, uh, no, we won't. Nope. Usually that doesn't come till about July. But, uh, Nate, great job. Uh, you, Mike, Mattia, Brian Munson, Greg Peterson, the entire recruiting team, uh, you guys are the best out there, and I know Husker fans are grateful for the coverage uh, that you bring them because it's nowhere else out there. No, I couldn't be happier to do it. All right, well, that wraps it up here. As I said, uh, we'll begin our in-state tour next week, and spring football begins March 5th, so plenty to talk about around the corner here as we continue our Husker Online show. Thanks again for joining us this week on HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 